Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Welcome to Journey this morning. If this is your first time here, we are so glad that you're joining us uh, for this Sunday. I know that some of you may be visiting from out of town, and we're just excited to have you here as part of our worship service. And for those who are regular attenders here, we love seeing your face. Don't just stay home and watch the video uh, online in your pajamas. Come here and be here with us. And uh, we, even if you come in your pajamas, I don't care. I'm not going to judge you if you do. Other people may. I won't. You're welcome here in way that you are. We love just having you here. We are in a series of messages that we started a few weeks ago called Sit, Walk, Stand. They are about the book of Ephesians. We're walking through the book of Ephesians, learning how to apply the book of Ephesians to our lives. It's nicely divided into three different sections. We have the section of sitting, which is why I have a chair up here as a reminder for us that we are to sit and receive from God, sit and gain from his, his presence. We are to wait upon him, rest in him, learn from him. Once I have learned how to sit in the Lord and receive from the Lord and understand my, I knew, my new identity in the Lord, now I'm ready to walk and live this life and then I'm ready to stand against the attacks of the enemy. Really, we've been running a couple of parallel themes as we have started through this series. One theme is this, in the beginning of the book of Ephesians, we're seeing what God's plan is. The Father had a plan. The Son has a plan. The Spirit has a plan. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. He is the Trinity. He is fully God. He is all one God, yet all distinct personhoods of that God in the Father, Son, and Spirit. We see those plans laid out and evident through what Paul is writing about. It's important for our own theology to understand the plan of God. But secondly, the parallel theme is this new identity that we receive, the entire entire first half of Ephesians is about a new identity that we have. We are not who we were. We are not that old person. We are not all of the mistakes and the mess ups and the failures of our past. We are brand new. God has made us new. He's given us a new identity and in that we can sit and receive from him. So we have looked at the Father's love. And the Father's love is amazing. The Father's love came into fruition before the beginning of time. God had a plan in mind. He was thinking of a plan before creation even happened. That shows the sovereignty of God. God is not an unknowing God. He is an all-knowing God. Before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. He knew the world would crumble. He knew that the world would fall into sin, but he did not want to leave the world in sin. He had a 
plan before he even laid out the creation of the world. It's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He says these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, Again, we will talk about Yeshua. I was going to talk about that this week, but I thought I'd save it a little bit closer to Christmas. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for the name Jesus. Jesus is the really the definition or the translation we get. His real name, actual name, was Yeshua, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah. He chose us in the Messiah before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He he predestined us for adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the Holy One he loves. So what did all of that mean? Well, let me describe it for you this way or chart it out this way, that God the Father, before the foundation of the world, before the world came into existence, before that moment of creation, God had a forward-thinking concept that down the road, 4,000 years, if you follow the biblical timeline, 4,000 years from now, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die on the cross. That was God's plan from the very beginning. If you look at the words, the words that scare people, the predestined, that word just simply means determined beforehand. That's the literal definition. God determined beforehand before creation, that his son would come for mankind. He did not want to leave mankind alone. He determined ahead of time that even though the world is going to fall into sin, I'm going to send my son to be the redeemer, to set the world free, to bring people back to me. That's what God's plan was from the very beginning. So he chose the way. He chose the plan. He knew who would come to him because he is an all-knowing God. God knew all of those things ahead of time, and he did that before the beginning of creation. That's the Father's love. He did it out of love. He did it because he loves you and me. He loves his creation. And so he doesn't want to reject the creation. He wants to give an opportunity for those of his creation to come to him and have his love received. Today we're going to look at the son's love. What is, how does the son play into this? What does the son's love look like? Let's pray as we begin. And then we're going to look at three things here today. Let's pray. Father. Help us to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would show us your truth and that it would so impact us that it would change us forever. That we would be overwhelmed with this incredible love that you have for each one of us, people who are unworthy and undeserving of your love. I pray, Lord, that you would show us your truth today and help us to apply this truth. I pray, Lord, as we prepare for the Christmas season and we look forward to the Christmas season and we celebrate your coming, that we would remember that you came for us. You came for sinful man because you love us and you care for us. Lord, I pray that that would just change us and that would just sink into the depths of our souls. Lord, be with us now and help us as we open your word Help us to rightly divide your word and help it to be you speaking to us, Lord, not my words, but your words. We want to give you the honor and praise that you are due, and that is in the name of Jesus that we pray. All God's people said, amen. 
Let's look at this together. The son's love. What is the son's love? Well, let's look. We're going to look today at three things. We're going to look at the plan. We're going to look at the reason. And then we are going to look at the blessing that comes out of this. What is, what is God's plan? What is God's reason? And what is the blessing that comes out of this? Again, uh, through the entire first part of Ephesians, if you let these words sink in, it will really impact you. But if you kind of keep them at arm's length and you kind of keep it at a distance, it's going to have no effect. Let God's word into your life and receive what he has. Sit and receive his truth today. Let's pick it up. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read verses 7 through 12, and then we'll talk about those three things, the plan. We're going to look at the reason, and we're going to look at the blessing that comes out of that. Here's what he says. In him, we have redemption through his blood. So let's start with these words, in him. Who's the him? That is Jesus himself. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. It's not through our own way. It's not through our earning it. It's through the blood of Jesus. That is the only way that we can be redeemed. What does redeem mean? Well, we'll get into that in just a minute. In him we have redemption through his blood, the removal of trespasses, in keeping with the riches, richness of his grace that he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good pleasure that he planned in the Messiah. The plan of the fullness of times is to bring all things together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. In him we were also chosen, predestined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will, so that we who were first to put our hope in Messiah might be for his glorious praise. Let's start with the plan. What is God's plan? Well, notice these words that come up time and time again. Notice the words, in him, at the very bottom. It is the keeping of, with his good pleasure, that he planned. This is God's plan. The plan of the fullness of times is to bring all things together in the Messiah. In him we were chosen, predestined according to his plan. He keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will. So what is God's plan? What was God all about? Well, go back to this. God's plan was Jesus. God's plan was that everything in the world would come together in Jesus. Everything would be centered on him. All the timeline would point to him. All of salvation would come to him. Everything was about Jesus. This is his plan. But it's more than just everything coming together in Jesus. He gives us the clue of what everything is all about. And here is what the answer is. It is redemption. That is what everything is about. He came in order to redeem mankind. What is the idea of redemption? How does redemption work? What does redemption possibly mean? Well, this idea of redemption is a word that in the Greek language is apolotrosis, and it means to give you freedom by the payment of a ransom. 
That's what redemption is. To pay for someone's free uh, freedom by paying a ransom. Now, I, I was curious as I was thinking about this idea of redemption and the paying of a ransom. What are the most famous ransoms that have ever happened? And I stumbled across a couple that I thought were really interesting. Did you know... I don't know if you've heard the name John Paul Getty or the Getty family, one of the richest families ever to live in the United States. John Paul Getty III was the grandson of the great oil baron John Paul Getty. Now, the, the, the grandson, John Paul III, he was kind of living a luxurious life as a 16-year-old who was kind of parting it up, so, so to speak. He had a lot of money. His family had a lot of money. They they had a lot of influence, and so he was living a lavish, luxurious, party kind of lifestyle. And he, for some reason, was in Italy. As he was in Italy, some gangsters in Italy kidnapped him and demanded ransom from the Getty family in order to get him returned. And what they were asking for was $3 million. This was in 1973 that it was happening. That's about $15.9 million today. Well, the family refused to pay it. So the gangsters cut off the ear of the grandson and sent it back to the family saying, we are serious about this. Well, the family finally relented, decided that they were going to pay. However, the grandfather would only pay $2.2 million because that's all he could take as a tax deduction. So he had a, he had a, a li limit. I'm only going to pay this amount for the ransom. And the dad came up with the rest of the money. They paid the money and set him free. So that, that's one example of this idea of redemption. Redemption is the payment of ransom for the securing of the freedom for the one who's being held. Well, I want you to picture it in your mind this way. This idea and this concept of redemption works like this. It was a word that was used often in a slave market in that day. They did have slave trading. It was always been part of the culture. We are led to believe that the United States is the only country that's ever had slavery, and that is false. Every country and every culture in society has had some sort of slavery. It's been an evil that has been in the world, part of the world because of the sin in the world, a broken and dysfunctional world. In the day that Jesus came, slave trading was a very popular and common thing, especially in the Roman Empire. Now, you could be in slavery for a few different reasons. One, you could be born into that situation. Your family could be indentured servants, and you're born into that situation. Or you could just be in debt, and you can't pay back your debt. And because you can't pay back your debt, the people that, that hold your debt are going to take you as a slave or sell you and get some value back on the investment that they have made. Wouldn't that cure debt and credit card problems today if we implemented that system? You can't pay your credit card debt? Well, we're selling you into slavery and your whole family. Well, that's the way it was then. They didn't have the systems that we have today. So what would happen is they would have a slave trading, they would have an auction block. On the auction block, you would see people marched across the, the, the auction uh, block and they would be bid upon and they would be purchased in that market. And it was part of this whole, this whole system. 
Redemption is this, that somebody, just picture it this way, somebody comes into the auction and they see you standing on stage, they see you up there, you're on the trade block, and they see that situation and they have compassion for you, and so they bid for you, and they bid and they win the bid, and instead of taking you, they set you free. That's what redemption is. Redemption is that you were in slavery and somebody had compassion and they paid the price and you were set free. And you could go on your own merry way and now you lived in freedom instead of in slavery. Spiritually, from a spiritual sense, the world is ensnared by sin. The world is in slavery to sin. As the world is in slavery to sin, Jesus looks at the world and has compassion and says, I want to set them free so I will pay the price to ransom them and to get them set free. The only problem with that is there's only one payment that could possibly be made, and it wasn't dollars, and it wasn't gold, and it wasn't some other material possession. It was only the life of another can set you free. Only the blood will be the adequate payment to redeem you from the situation that you're in. So Jesus looks at the world and he says, I will pay the price. I will pay my life for theirs. I will give my blood for theirs. And he secured our freedom. That was God's plan from the very beginning. From the beginning of time, God said, I love the world. I don't want to send them to hell. So I'm going to send my son as the means to make redemption, to pay the ransom, to set those people free. That was his ultimate plan, and it's in him that we have redemption through his blood. This redemption that is the forgiveness of sins, the removal of trespasses, the grace that is lavished upon us. That was God's plan before the foundation of the world. That no one should perish, but all should come to him. But there's only one way, and it is through Jesus who is our redemption. That's the plan. What is the reason behind this? Now, I want to give you a complex reason that's a very simple yet complex reason. And I want you to understand this. This is so important in your life, especially some of us in here. It's so important in life that you understand this reason why God would do this. Here's the reason. The reason behind God's plan is not that you are worthy of God and his love, but you are worthwhile to God and his love. Do you understand the differences in the concepts between worthy and worthwhile? As soon as I hear the word worthy, my mind instantly goes to, uh, was it Wayne's World? Uh, we're not worthy. Do you guys remember that? Any of you old enough to remember that? Wayne's World, we're not, we're not worthy. Well, that's the attitude that we have to have toward God as we approach God. God, I am not worthy. What does worthy mean? Worthy means that somehow I deserve it or I have earned it. Do you know that most people approach God in that manner? I am worthy of God because of all of the good things that I have done. I've gone to church. I've gone to mass. I gave money. 
I sang songs. I went to confession. I was baptized. I helped the homeless. I helped the poor. I give out food. I am worthy, God, of your kindness because look at all the wonderful things that I do. Jesus tells, well, he doesn't tell a story, but he interacts in a story in the Gospel of Luke. It's also in the Gospel of Matthew that shows this picture. Look at this story with me. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Jesus is there talking with people. He's doing incredible miracles, going through the nation of Israel, going through the region of Galilee. It says that after he had finished doing this, after he had finished his sayings, he was teaching in the hearing of the people that he entered into a place called Capernaum. In Capernaum, there was a centurion. This is a Roman guy. He's a Roman centurion. And this Roman centurion had a servant who was sick. It was a slave in his household who was sick. He had compassion for him. He loved this servant. And he felt bad that he was sick. And he didn't want to see him sick. This servant was at the point of death. Now, this centurion, uh, this, this servant of the centurion was highly valued by the centurion. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, these elders of the Jews pleaded with Jesus earnestly saying, he is worthy to have you do this for him. Note that word. He is worthy. To have you do this. To have you do what? To have you heal his servant. He's worthy of it. He earns it. He deserves it. For he loves our nation. He's the one who built us our synagogue. Why is he worthy? Because he's done so, such good things. Why am I worthy, God? Because I've done such good things. I've helped so many people. I've gone to church so many times. I've given so much money. I have prayed so many times. I've gone to confession so many times. I've been baptized in the church. That's why I'm worthy, God, for you to be kind to me. Well, Jesus went with them. Now, when Jesus was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do, Jesus. Just say the word and let my servant be, be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. What was Jesus so marveled at? A person who realized, God, I'm not worthy of you. I'm just going to ask of you. When you come to Jesus, you don't come to him with your list of accomplishments. You don't show God your resume and say, look at what I've done, look at what I've accomplished. You don't come to God deserving or thinking you earn anything because we're not worthy. None of us can measure up. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us are worthy to come to him. Instead, God says, you know what? You may not be worthy, but you are worthwhile. What does worthwhile mean? 
it means you're worth his time, you're worth his effort, and you're worth his dying on the cross. God loves us despite what we have done or not done. He loves you exactly where you're at, who you are, not because of your list of accomplishments, because it's not about us, it's about him. It's not about you, it's about what he has done. There's a great contrasting story to this in the Bible, a parable that Jesus told. Here's the parable. Then Jesus, Yeshua, spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous while holding others in contempt. You understand what this means? It means they were looking at how great they were. Look at how awesome I am and how much I do. And they were looking down upon everybody else. They were looking down their noses at everybody else. And they were gossiping in the background about, can you imagine, did you see what Stephen did? Man, can you, can you imagine how low he is, how awful he is? Ashley, I can't even tell you what Ashley, I mean, she's just the worst. And they're talking about them and looking down upon them. That attitude, that arrogance is how many people approach God or how many people approach the Christian life. They were looking down on others with contempt. So Jesus told them a parable. He said this, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieving, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over there. I fast twice a week and tithe and all that I get. Why am I worthy? Look at how awesome I am. Look at how great I am. Look at how fantastic I am. I'm not like all of these other people. And then he says this, but the tax collector standing some distance away, wouldn't even lift his eyes toward heaven, but beat his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, the worst sinner, the chief of sinners, the awful sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went down to his home, declared righteous, but everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be ex exalted. So what is the principle here? God wants you to come to him in a state of realizing, I don't deserve anything from him. I am not worthy of God. I know I have messed up. You don't have to tell me I've messed up. I know I have. If I am full of pride, full of narcissism, full of self-exaltation, I can't come to God. But when I finally come to the end of myself and realize, God, I desperately need you, and I know, God, you don't have to forgive me, and I don't deserve your forgiveness, I don't deserve your redemption, I don't deserve your kindness, that's when you're ready. God is not looking for the worthy, because none is worthy. He is looking for those who he has deemed worthwhile who will receive what he has in store. That's, that's the reason behind it. The plan is, I want to redeem you. The reason is, not because you deserve it, because you're worthwhile to me. That's the reason behind it. What is the blessing that comes out of this? The blessing is phenomenal. Here's the blessing. And Jesus says it in just a simple, quick, or Paul says it about Jesus in just a simple, quick word. In him, we have redemption. Why? Not because I'm worthy, but because he has deemed me as worthwhile. I matter to him. 
You matter to the living God. You matter to the almighty God. You matter to the creator God. Therefore, he wants to redeem you. But when he redeems you, look what happens. You then have the removal of trespasses. That's what happens. And you have his grace lavished on you. This is the blessing that comes out of it. When you come to God in humility, realizing I'm not worthy of you, God, but thank you that you've made me worthwhile. I know I don't deserve anything, but thank you that you love me enough that you would be willing to accept me with scars and all, warts and all. You would be willing to accept me. And when he accepts you, he removes the trespasses from you. You know what the word trespass is? It's literally the word that means a false step. Trespassing, think about it from a logical point of view. If you are a landowner and somebody steps on your land or hunts on your land, they have trespassed. They have broken a boundary that you have set, or they have broken a law. The law is you don't trespass, and if they go across, now they have broken the law. They've broken the boundary. We have broken God's laws and broken God's boundaries. Don't believe me? Just ask yourself these questions. Remember the Ten Commandments that we covered before back in the spring, if you were with us at that time? Take the simplest of commandments. You shall not bear false witness. What does that mean? What's the synonymous idea? Lie. You shall not lie. Okay, quick test. How many of you have lied in your life? Okay, most hands, not all hands, most hands are up. We'll have a conversation later with those who haven't. Because you just lied now in front of everybody at the church. <laughs> and there's an issue there. If you have lied, simple lie. You've broken the boundary, the law of God. You've crossed the fence. You've trespassed. If you have lusted in your heart, if you've had anger in your heart, if you've not had God first in your life, if you've had other things before God, idols in your life, that is breaking the law of God. You've trespassed. And if you have done that, we are then worthy and earning of death. Punishment. You trespass, you're going to get punished. You're going to get caught. You're going to get fined. You're going to get thrown in jail. Whatever it might be. God says, if you have sinned, you will die. That's what the wages of sin is. The wages of sin is death. But what is the remedy? The remedy is redemption. The remedy is because you're not worthy, because you've broken the law, you have trespassed, but because I love you so much and you're worthwhile to me, I will forgive you and I will remove the sentence and the trespasses from your life. You, you know what's amazing about this is that because of that, there's no more burden that we have to carry. If you've ever had a moment in life where you were guilty, and you had offended somebody, and there's tension in that place. There's tension in that relationship. Husbands, you can identify with this uh, when you've hurt your wife, and there's tension in the house when that happens. I would say it the other way around, but that never happens, that wives would do that. It's always the husband. Just, I mean, yeah. There's tension. 
and it's uncomfortable. Now, now multiply that. Now, it's not just in the home. Now, you've committed a crime, and you are, you're carrying a weight, and you're carrying a burden. And it's like weighing you down. And it's like a backpack that you're carrying, and it's, it's heavy, and it's burdensome, and it's cumbersome, and I can't get set free. And then the moment of time comes when the person forgives you for what you have done. And that backpack, that weight just gets removed from your shoulders. And how freeing that is and how good that feels. Well, that's the moment of time when God lavishes his grace and he removes your trespasses. Not just removes them, but he has cast them away as far as the east is from the west. You know what's amazing about him casting the sins away as far as the east is from the west? God did that on purpose. We, our world spins on an east-west axis. We are constantly spinning like that. So it's not a north-south because that's static and it does not spin. It's an east-west because it's a spinning. It's a moving thing. For God to say, I've cast it away as far as the east is from the west, it's, the, the earth never stops. It's like a forever thing. He has removed it forever from you. The burden you carry, the sin you carry, the hurt you carry, the shame you carry, God says, I will remove it from you. I will cast it away from you. You can be brand new. I will redeem you. I'm going to remove those things because that's my ultimate plan. Again, not because of us, but because he loved us. This was God's plan from the beginning. He planned this. He planned that these things would happen. It's not about you. It's about how God loves you. It's not about what you can accomplish. It's what God will accomplish. It's not about a religious movement. It's about a relationship with the almighty God. So the question today, have you sat and received him? Have you heard from him? All of this is through his blood. It's not through your own way. It is through his way. It's not through your plan. It's through his plan. There is no other way, no other plan that God has. This is the plan. And it starts with, have I truly accepted him? Have I invited him in? Have I received the gift that he wants to offer to me? I've used this analogy. I used it last week even. It's like God has a present for you. And he brings you a present, and it's spectacular. It's wrapped so beautifully, and he lays it on your lap, and he says, this is all for you. Most of us feel guilty when that happens. If somebody gives us a gift, we think, I I didn't get you anything. I've got to run out and get you something right away. Well, that's not how it works with God. If you do that, you're earning with God. It's about what God wants to do for you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you the gift. And it's up to you to say, yes, I will receive it. I don't deserve this. I know. I'm not worthy of this. I know. I have messed up too much. If I were you, God, I wouldn't give it to me. Thank you that you're not me. Thank you that you are you. He gives you the gift. And it's up to you to say, yes, I will receive it. And I'll unwrap it. And I'll put it on. And I'll wear this for the rest of my life. That's the gift God wants to give you this Christmas season. So as we wrap this up today, we have the plan that is 
Jesus from the very beginning of time. There's no other plan. There's no other way. It's only him. It's what God determined ahead of time. It's what the son agreed to ahead of time. I will be the way. We have the reason. Why, what is the reason? Because all of these people are worthy of it? No, because they're worthwhile to me. They matter to me. Why do we matter to God? That's the, that's the million-dollar question that I have never been able to quite answer in my own life. God, why would we matter? Jennifer and I, yesterday, we went and watched um, the new, it's a new war movie. It's called Devotion. I don't know if you've seen the ads for it. Um, it was a really good movie. First black naval aviator in Navy history. Uh, it was in South Korea in the Korean War at the time. We went and watched this, and we walked away. It's kind of a, I don't want to spoil it uh, for you, so it was a happy, joyful ending. I'll leave it at that. Uh, it, it, no, it was kind of a sad ending, to the, but it was a great movie. Uh, hopefully that doesn't spoil too much for you. But we walked away from that, and we were talking, just discussing this idea, and the idea is war. Can you think of a time that the world has not had some conflict going on at some point somewhere around the globe. And you can't. War has always been among us. Can you imagine being in a situation where, and thankfully we haven't lived through that. Some of you have. I, I know we have some Vietnam veterans who've been through that, but most of us younger than that, we haven't lived really through that. We've had conflicts in the Middle East, but they haven't instituted the draft. But can you imagine being attacked like in Ukraine today where children might die? Your children might die if you were there. Can you imagine being drafted into the military and having to fight and lose your lives? And how many loved ones we have had that have lost their lives? And you look at the evilness of the world and you think, God, why would you love humanity? Why would you be willing to die for us? And amazingly, it's because God's love for humanity supersedes the amount of evil that is in this world. That he still longs for people to accept him and to receive him and to spend eternity with him. And he gives opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to us until the day that the door will close and there will be no more. Your first step in sitting and receiving from God is, have I asked him to come into my life? Have I received him? Have I received the gift that he has given? Have I opened the box and put it on and said, Jesus, yes, I want you. And I know I'm not worthy, but I thank you, God, that I am worth your time and worth your effort and worth your life. Would you Stand with me. We're going to pray, and then we're just going to immediately close after prayer. But let's just stand and pray and thank God that he loves us like that. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that you love us with that intensity, that you love us despite us. I'm amazed, Lord, as I look across the world and all the problems in the world and the evils that happen in the world and the sin and dysfunction of the world, that you would still care about people. Where you have people doing evil to one another, you still love us. Not because we are worthy, but because we are worthwhile to you. 
And I want to pray, Father, for us today that we would start this relationship with you by receiving you. You have brought a gift to us. You've put it in our laps. Will we receive it? Will we open it? Will we put this on or will we reject it and shove it aside? Lord, if there are some in here that are ready to say, God, I want to receive the gift that you have given. I want to, I want to open this box and I, want to, I know I don't deserve it and I haven't gotten you anything, but thank you, God, that you love me enough that you are willing to give this gift to me. For you so love the world that you were willing to give your one and only son that whoever would believe in him may have eternal life. And Lord, we want that today. We want to believe in you, trust you. I pray, Father, that this message today would impact our identities and our futures, that we would not walk around thinking, I deserve something, I'm worthy of something, but we would come to you with a humble heart saying, I realize I don't deserve anything. Thank you that you love me anyway. Father, as we leave this place and we begin to prepare for Christmas and, and prepare for buying gifts and 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 parties and celebrations. And as we look forward to that, Lord, help us to remember that the ultimate gift given was your gift given to us. Father, thank you for this day. As we leave this place, be with us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Looking forward to seeing you back next week as we dive farther into the book of Ephesians. Thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.